Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey Trojan fans, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast Special Edition Trojan Blast Recruiting version of the Peristyle Podcast. We haven't had Gerard Martinez, USCFootball.com National Recruiting Analyst in a long, uh, on the show in quite a while, but he is on now. What's up Gerard, how you doing? Hello Trojan fans! Thanks, man. spectacular, Ryan Abraham. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm a little under the weather, so I couldn't uh, couldn't do our normal intro. But thanks for uh, jumping in, stepping in there, and doing that for me. Got, you know, we haven't had you on in a while, man. There's not a, not a whole lot of recruiting going on, I guess. Yeah, I got your back. I got your back, man. No, no worries. Yeah, hasn't been uh, a lot of recruiting going on uh, for USC in the past uh, couple months. We pretty much predicted that coming away from July was such a hectic summer with all the commitments and USC getting 18 commitments by the end of July. You kind of knew there was going to be a lull, and there's been a lull with the recruiting process, and not just with 2013, but, you know, even the 2014 class, the class of juniors, the USC really wanted to focus on the season, really wanted to focus on kind of setting the tone a little bit, um, getting a feel for going into that second half of the season. And as we get into these important games and we get closer to November, that's when you're going to see the recruiting process pick up. And, and not just for USC in terms of evaluations with the junior prospects and other uncommitted prospects still looking at USC in the 2013 class, but those kids that are committed to USC taking official visits. And that's what gets the drama going, and we've already kind of seen a little bit of that here in October. A little bit of drama is always good, I guess, but it's starting to, I, I guess the drama is starting to pick up, like you mentioned, and we'll go to our first question, Gerard. This is where, I guess, source of some of the drama is what, uh, this is from Jeff. He wants to know what, he actually sent in like six questions, so we'll try to get to as many as we can, Jeff, but. Good job, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had you on in a while, I guess that's true, but what is the deal with Max Redfield? What is the dealio with Maximus Redfield? Uh, He took an official visit to Notre Dame, uh, as you guys know, two weeks ago, and loved the visit. And there's a lot of kind of back and forth with some rumors and stuff that's kind of under the radar as far as uh, sources and and talking about kind of where he sits and kind of where his future lies. Uh, There's a lot of, I think, optimism that he just took that visit to Notre Dame liked it and realized he committed too early to USC. Now, I agree with that to some extent. I think he probably did commit a little too early with USC. I think those last few kids that committed in the 2013 class kind of felt like the class was filling up. They didn't want to wait. They felt like, uh-oh, maybe I'm not going to get a chance to actually be a part of the USC 2013 class if I don't commit and got a little rushed and committed too soon because talking to those guys, they, you know, they were, you know, I'm committing to USC. And then now the, the next thing they'd say is, yeah, but I'm taking all my visits. And that's always something you go, okay, so why are you really committing? Originally, Max wanted to wait until the Under Armour All-American game, which is in January, to commit. And he just decided, you know, I kept hearing, you know, something maybe August, maybe before the season starts, he kind of wants to get it out of the way so he can focus on the senior season. And then he popped, you know, in late July and became a commit. 
So a lot of the talk is, well, you know, he still wants to take that visit to Oregon. He likes Notre Dame that much that he thinks, oh, okay, you know, I got to go see what Oregon is going to be like. And Oregon is not recruiting committed recruits from other schools. At least that's what the coaches are telling kids that are committed to other schools. We're not going to recruit you. We're not going to welcome you in or host you on an official visit. If you're committed to other schools, you have to decommit from those schools, USC and everywhere else, before we bring you in. Now, this is a total change of policy. This is not something that uh, has been around for very long because of obviously a lot of SC fans are thinking to themselves, wait a second, what about Anthony Thomas? He was committed to USC when they brought him up there for a visit, and uh, so was uh, Eric Armstead. So they've you know, been recruiting USC recruits and, and other you know, kids that have been you know, committed to other schools in the past. This is something that's changed. There's been some – and we'll talk about this, I guess, more in the future. There's been a lot of little policy changes with quite a few packed-in schools. UCLA with uh, not inviting um, kids that are committed to USC on unofficial visits, um, not even giving them game tickets to UCLA games. A lot of kind of odd things going on with the Pac-12 and kind of uh, the recruiting strategies from coach to coach. Um, so this is one of those things. So now, you know, with Redfield not being able to go and officially visit Oregon as the USC commit, a lot of people think, well, this would spur him on to go ahead and decommit. I don't feel like that's the totality of what's happening. I think he liked Notre Dame that much, quite frankly. Talking to him after his visit, after he got home, he was still buzzing about Notre Dame. He still really felt like Notre Dame was a really good school for him and a place that he felt very comfortable. And I, I got the sense that it was more about Notre Dame and less about just being undecided about USC. So now we kind of wait. We see what's going to happen. He doesn't want to jump into something and decommit from USC and all of a sudden, you know, not look back because that would be kind of a rash decision. And if he felt he made a rash decision and committing too early already, he doesn't want to make two. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I expect – I shouldn't say expect. I, I think I'm leaning towards thinking he's going to decommit within the next two, three weeks. Um, I just get wow. that vibe. I, I got that vibe talking to him, um, you know, after his Notre Dame visit. He did not make these unofficial visits to USC last weekend. There was a lot of talk on Twitter. Sue Cravens was saying that he was coming down unofficially to see the Colorado game. That didn't happen. He had some obligations with prom. Uh, so we'll see – you know, here in the future, if he's, you know, back at USC games, if he's able to meet with the coaching staff, talk with them. My vibe, though, is that if he decommits from USC, it's going to be that much harder for USC to get him back. Because, quite frankly, he's decommitting because of things that he saw at Notre Dame. And if you're in love with Notre Dame and you thought Notre Dame was great, I don't think you're going to USC. You know, they're just two different schools, too many different factors um, that are opposite. I think it would be Notre Dame would be the team to beat. Uh, and then Oregon would be lurking. And if Oregon got a visit, then they would be probably a big-time player for him. So that's kind of where, I guess, the, the Max Redfield stuff stands as of now, this hour, today. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's a follow-up to that. With or without Redfield, uh, how does USC go about uh, McCoy and Goodman? What is their visit schedule, and what other programs are fighting for their services? They are all in uh, with McQuay. They are still recruiting McQuay very hard. Um, they're still recruiting Goodman. Maybe you want to give think, people that aren't familiar with those guys, maybe just give them a little background. Well, Leon McQuay is a five-star safety from Sefner, Florida, which is just north of the Tampa area. Uh, plays at Armwood High School. Armwood is uh, traditionally very powerful 
um, Florida team, and, and one of the best in terms of defense. They kind of got a long tradition of defense. Uh, he's one of the best, I, I think, coverage safeties in the country, if not the best coverage safety in the country. So got a 4.5 GPA, very smart kid. He came in on an unofficial visit uh, uh, just early in the season. Actually missed the first season, or the first game of the season, the Hawaii game, but came in that Sunday after the game and stayed to Monday because it was a holiday and then went back to Florida. A lot of sources say he loved USC. He was ready to commit to USC on the spot. What we're hearing is that his family is not quite as enthusiastic about him leaving home to play college football. Um, you know, he's a, he wants to be a music major, or at least he wants to be uh, involved in the music industry from a production and, and um, a technician standpoint. He wants to kind of be a music engineer. So obviously USC is very strong in those programs. Uh, he was just enamored with USC in, in Southern California. So he has already taken his unofficial visit. That's always big. It's big when these kids come out here on their own dime that shows you how serious they are. And it's likely he comes back January 18th for his official visit. You've got Florida State that's involved with him. They're trying to make a move. Um, they're definitely, I think, a, a little more favored by the family. Um, you've got Vanderbilt um, that's been there for a while, obviously a very good academic program as well. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've wooed him. Uh, but I hear they're maybe not quite as involved with him as they were at one point. They've kind of faded a little bit. Florida's trying to come on. They're trying to get an official visit. Uh, Michigan got an official visit. Uh, so, and, and he's got, I think, supposedly officially visited Oregon last weekend. No, that wouldn't be right because Oregon was playing at uh, Arizona State. So maybe it's this weekend he's supposed to uh, – yeah, I think it's this weekend against Colorado he's supposed to officially visit Oregon. So we're going to see how that goes. I mean, that's, again, you've got Redfield and then you've got uh, Leon McQuay III both, you know, looking at Oregon – Similar type players, more of the free safety type than the strong safety type. Strong safety would be, in this case, Sue Cravens. I would also, having seen a little more Tahan Goodman, leaning more of him as being a strong safety than a free safety, uh, watched him play uh, earlier this season. We've seen him play a lot of, you know, in camps and everything and on film. Uh, but watching him play this season, play a lot near the line of scrimmage, and freelanced a lot, and, and watching him in space, it's kind of a feast or famine with him. He kind of guesses a little bit. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. He's a big kid. He's, he's got some room to grow. I don't think he's shy around the line of scrimmage, and I think if USC continues to recruit him hard, they have a good shot at, at landing him, and it's just going to be one of those things is where does he fit in amongst that group of defensive backs. And can he actually grow into possibly being an outside linebacker? When you've got a guy like Deion Bailey out there who's about six foot, you know, 205, 210 pounds, all these guys that are a little bigger safety start to, you know, be possible candidates as outside linebackers as well. So that's a guy that, you know, you can't necessarily just write off and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to play a safety for sure, like Max Redfield would, or Liam McQuay. Liam McQuay is about 6'1", 6'2", 185 pounds, but when you look at his body and his build, you say, okay, that guy's a defensive back for sure. Uh, Goodman, not so, so much. And, and it's kind of, you know, we got to figure out, 
Maybe it's just the thing with coaching just doesn't understand technique and scheme. But when you watch Goodman in space, there's definitely a lot more guessing going on. And he, you know, either gets it right and makes a great play or he gets it wrong and he's running the wrong way. So it's one of those things that, you know, he could move up, I think, a little bit to the line of scrimmage and maybe be a bigger playmaker there. So you've got those two guys. You know, Goodman's the local guy from Ranch Cucamonga High School. McQuay is the, the kid out there in Florida, uh, you know, West Florida, that Tampa-type area. You know, Monty Kiffin's got a lot of pull there and there's, there's a lot going on there. But it's going to come down to the end of the road for him. And if his family is not on board with him going to USC and have already uh, kind of, uh, you know, balked on pulling the trigger a couple times, it makes you wonder if USC is really going to be able to just hold out that long and figure out what Leon McQuay is going to do. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to, you know, if, if Redfield decommits, it really opens up a lot of doors. I mean, there's got Tyler Foreman up at Encino Crespi, who's a guy that uh, we heard did fantastic at the USC camps um, and, and looked really good at the opening. He's not the big-time athlete, kind of has that big moniker of, oh, you know, uh, he's 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 the next this next that he's really more lower on the radar three star guy but he's been very productive uh, so you know it's one of those things he actually played corner at uh, USC skill camp and looked really good or was it the Rising Stars camp it was one of those camps that we weren't allowed to go to because of the NCAA anyways I digress he was good <laughs> at those camps playing cornerback and that shows you that he actually is pretty darn athletic to be a guy that's about six one one hundred eighty pounds playing uh, playing a corner as opposed to playing safety which he does in high school. Uh, Okay, let's move on to a voicemail question. This is our buddy J.D. from D.C. Here we go, Gerard. J.D. from D.C. calling. Uh, Question for Gerard on recruiting. Uh, Any indication that uh, Montrevious Adams, A. Sean Robinson, and Justin Manning, three DT um, targets, uh, have scheduled a visit at uh, USC. Uh, also, anything on uh, Laramie Tunsil and uh, Alexander, the cornerback uh, from uh, the Southeast. Fight on. Well, I was covering uh, a, a quite a bit of country there um, with all those guys. I'll talk, start with the defensive tackles. Uh, and right now, from what we hear, uh, Montrevious Adams will most likely visit USC January 18th. Ashawn Robinson still scheduling an official visit. That's kind of a little more open-ended because we heard um, a few months ago that evidently he was a closet USC fan, really liked USC growing up, and wanted to check out USC unofficially. But that didn't happen. you know. So he ended up being a guy that uh, kind of seemed like he was a little more interested over the summer, and then that faded away. You kind of wonder if he's going to be able to follow through and actually become uh, an official visitor for USC. So that's, that's a little more open-ended. We'll kind of see if it happens. Um, and, and But with Adams, that seems a little more for sure. He's kind of been in contact with USC for a while and had interest in USC for a while. So we expect him to officially visit probably in January, probably January 18th, which, as you know, said before, going to be a pretty big visit weekend for USC. Um, haven't heard anything really on Justin Manning. That's just lately haven't really heard about him being uh, that interested in USC or the contact with USC being um, that great. So we're going to have to wait and see if that's even a, a possibility. There have been some other names that floated out of there, uh, but you know I, I'm not going to go on and go on and go on about all of them. We'll be here all day, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with, um, with uh, McKenzie Alexander, the corner that was mentioned, He's uh, the 5'11", 175-pound cornerback uh, from Immokalee, Florida. 
maybe the best cornerback that I've seen all year in person. Uh, we saw him at the, Ar- uh, the Army Underclassmen uh, Combine, uh, which was really stacked. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, you go down there and you see a bunch of guys, and a lot of them you don't know. You know, you haven't seen before. You don't really know. There's just names. You know, there's just kids. You're like, okay, this kid's from Florida. This kid's from Dallas. This kid's from here. And then, you're, and you don't really know that much about him. And then afterwards, you kind of you see who's starting to get offers and everything. You go, wow, that, that was pretty good competition. He played against a lot of good players. Uh, probably the best receiver that I've seen all year in Robert Foster, um, who's a, a receiver from Pennsylvania, who's being recruited by Alabama and uh, Penn State and Pitt, and Pitt and a few of these other schools. McKenzie was was lights out. I mean, he was just he was better than Kendall Fuller, in my opinion, you know, by by a good margin. Um, I, and so th- this is a guy that uh, you know has been in contact with USC. Says he wants to take an official visit to USC. He's not really talking much about USC publicly. You know, we've tried to get him on the phone. He's just hard to get down, just track down and, and get an interview with. Um, that's a possibility. I, I kind of would put that along with Ashawn Robinson, just because. It's one of those guys that we heard about and there's been talk and then it's not been followed through with actual actions, you know, and it's, it's one of those things. There's just a lot of kids that talk, talk, talk. They want to take official visits. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of these guys that are just looking for official visits just to go to a big game, they don't want to come into USC for the Oregon game. And USC, from what we've heard to this point, is not uh, hosting official visits during the season. So, you know, that, that, that's going to be a little bit of a filter. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of screening some of these guys that just want to come to a big game and they just want to hang out and party. If you're not having uh, official visits during the season, um, then those guys are going to kind of go by the wayside. And we'll see who's still interested in January. And that'll kind of be what, uh, you know, separates the pretenders from the contenders. And uh, I think Montrevious Adams will, will be there and take his official visit. Um, but some of these other guys – it's a lot of talk right now. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Drew has an interesting question. He said, I love the show, especially for keeping up with recruiting. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the elephant position with Morgan Breslin's success and Jabari Ruffin working at defensive end now with smaller, faster defensive end commits and Prevo and Hatcher set to come in. Are we going to see the return of the hybrid DE slash linebacker position made famous under Pete with Rivers, Cush, and Clay Matthews. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work, Drew. He says, P.S., big ups to Toronto. There you go, Toronto in the house. Um, a, I would say that you kind of already going to have that elephant position on the roster in Jabari Ruffin. Uh, Jabari, who came in as a linebacker, played linebacker in high school, very athletic, but has kind of almost grown out of that position. He's brilliant. One of the few kids that you've seen grow uh, from his junior year to his senior year to getting the USC. And he's a legitimate, you know, 6'4", 240 pounds now, but a guy that is athletic enough to totally stand up and play linebacker. And so, you know, I mean, he, Clay Matthews, the, you know, Brian Cushing, those guys, he's definitely along those lines of that bigger linebacker who has that height, who has that range, but also has the athletic ability to come off the line and play in some zone and, and drop back into coverage. So I would say, that exists already with Jabari Ruffin. Whether Monty Kiffin and Ed Orgeron decide that's going to be a position that we do more with and we start to play around with, that remains to be seen scheme-wise. We did see a little bit of it in some games this year where you've seen you know, great talents and then some of these other guys uh, in, a, in a two-point stance and coming off the line of scrimmage and playing um, you know, in, in the flats and playing in the curl and, and playing a little bit of coverage. I think with a guy like Jabari Ruffin, 
uh, who's who's much more athletic than a Greg Townsend at this point. Greg Townsend's a, a legitimate defensive lineman. Ruffin's kind of going to be a hybrid for a while until he kind of gets his feet wet with actually, you know, playing with his hands on the line of scrimmage and, and, and engaging blocks and, and shedding blocks. That's a whole different thing when you're playing defensive end. So I think that exists on the roster right now as far as that talent. Um, the smaller guys that can play, you know, Prevo, I think Prevo is, is really more of a north-south guy and a guy that you want is more of a pure rusher. While he's certainly athletic and he can do that, is he going to be a guy with, that can do that with great success like a Clay Matthews? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I just what I've seen from him style-wise, I, I would describe him as a linear pass rusher more than a guy that you can get out in space and can do all kinds of different things. Hatcher is that guy. Hatcher is the guy that really has that ability to play linebacker, has that ability to, to stunt, uh, very agile, has great lateral quickness. He's a guy that you don't want to necessarily just line up on the weak side and say, okay, pass rush, speed rush this 310-pound, you know, 6'7", offensive tackle all day long. You don't want to do that. He's going to get locked down. We talked a little bit about that with him at the opening and you know him just going in these one-on-one drills. You really don't get to see what Jason Hatcher can do in a camp one-on-one drill because it's just a you know a mono mono type thing you've only got so many moves you can do you can only you know I mean your split is only so much you can't line up in, a, in like an exotic technique i think with Jason Hatcher that's a guy that brings a whole lot of exotic looks to your defensive front if you want to do that if you if you really want to use him and do a lot of different things with him he's that guy that can do it just because it's not just that he's fast but if he's agile and he's strong and he's powerful and he's explosive and he can do a lot of different things and be very sneaky um, in space. And so I think that's a guy that, yeah, hybrid, but hybrid in, in, in maybe even different ways than a Clay Matthews or whatnot. I, I think he's really kind of an interesting cat that um, can, can do some crazy things. Uh, he could line him up over the slot even and do some jam and blitz him, just all kinds of stuff. I, I've seen him do some things at Trinity, and I've seen some things athletically from him that make me believe he's a guy that you can really stunt a whole lot of different ways and give a lot of different looks to your defense with. Okay, thanks for that, Gerard. Let's go to George in L.A. With the 2003 recruiting class wrapped up, or so we think, what positions will USC focus on for the 2014 class, and who are some of the top players that USC is after? And he says, one last question with three commits already for the 2014 class. Does that mean that USC has 12 scholarships left for that class? Love the podcast and the site. Keep it up, fight on, and beat the Wildcats. That's George in L.A. Yes, to our knowledge, it's it's a 15 class. So if you've got, you know, three commitments and you've only got 12 left, that's that's what we're hearing now. Sometimes these things change, and all of a sudden there's rumors of, uh, you know, all these uh, these little loopholes and things, and USC is going to get more guys in, and they're going to, you know, have early enrollees from 2008 that count towards 2013. You know, whatever. There's a lot of crazy stuff that can happen. But as of right now, it looks like 2014 is that legitimate 15 year and so they have three commitments and they have three commitments on the offensive line so obviously offensive line is not going to be the greatest focus because they really just need to keep those guys committed that they have and they have really three really good ones uh they've got a guard in Toa Lobendon um who's about you know 6'3 275 pounds 280 pounds from Lakewood High School uh he's definitely going to be I think in my opinion an interior lineman a guard maybe possibly even a center 
Um, we just went and saw Jordan Poland, uh, got some exclusive ISO highlights from his game up on the website that you guys can check out. I know USC fans who already saw those websites on the Peristyle were pretty excited about his potential and what they saw in that film. He's a guy that's a little more, little more legitimate offensive tackle, uh, and he and he when he loses some weight, he's about 335 pounds right now, almost 340. When he kind of gets away from the baby fat, and and if he's able to lean out to a little more like a 305, 310, you're going to see a lot more of a wow. That's a prototypical left tackle back to the days of a uh, a Matt Khalil more or less. Um, not quite as lean, so it's hard to picture him like that, but. Uh, he's the closest thing they've had to like that legitimate franchise left tackle uh, in a while. The guy that is probably, um, you know, I say more to the Matt Khalil type, very much more to the Matt Khalil type, uh, is going to be uh, Casey Tucker, who is possibly a five-star in this next class of 2014, um, about 6'6", uh, 270, 275. He's that guy that, you know, like a Matt Khalil, like a Tyron Smith, is a little more lean, and you got to build him up a little more, but he definitely has the frame. Uh, he definitely has the disposition, the mentality, um, you know, right tackle, left tackle. I think he you go back and forth a little bit on, on both of those, um, and, and is versatile enough to play on either side. And uh, we saw him down at the five-star uh, challenge in Atlanta, and I think it was a little overwhelmed at first, you know, I mean, could he just not play that level competition and, uh, you know, you get those kids out there from the West and they're just not used to the humidity. Uh, but he ended up battling and ended up being a guy that just like, okay, this, this kid can play, this kid can play. And uh, Arizona's going to be pretty good um, in terms of talent, in terms of, you know, some of the top end guys, USC will definitely be looking uh, a lot. I think the Arizona recruits this year, because we haven't seen a ton of guys that have really just jumped out from the 2014 class locally that are guys that you look at and go, okay, he's, he's definitely a five-star guy. Just haven't really seen many of those guys that we've been looking for him. <laughs> we've been looking for him every weekend. Um, I think the top guy that we've seen thus far in the 2014 class would have to be a Dory Jackson, uh, the 5'10", 180-pound uh, uh, quarterback from Sarah High School. We've, we've seen him a few times, and in terms of just having that kind of that special tag and the athleticism and being able to kind of do those things that you go, ooh, it gets you excited. I think he's been the one guy that's kind of stood out that way. I mean, and not necessarily from a production standpoint. You know, we haven't seen him have any spectacular games where he's done so much and he's always playing receiver, he's playing running back, yada, yada, yada. It's just been, you know, watching him and athletically the, the, the potential and, and knowing he's a good track guy. Um, he's, a, he's explosive. There's some things instinctually that you see from him. Uh, it's just little, little flashes that you see from him. And, and he's got his teammate, Dwight Williams, who's the linebacker, who's the undersized linebacker, who really reminds you a lot of Deion Bailey. Again, going back to those, you know, those big safeties, undersized linebackers, that's kind of Dwight Williams. He could play safety. And uh, Scott Altenberg, the head coach at Sarah High School, has talked about that. You know, we could play him at safety and he'd be good. And, but they have him playing near the line of scrimmage so he can make plays. And that kind of seems to be where USC is going with a, a lot of their linebackers. They seem to like some guys that can play in space, and, and have coverage skills, and, and that would be Dwight Williams. He was definitely one of the better players that we had down at the five-star challenge uh, last summer. Um, you know, USC is going to be involved, as they always are involved, in guys nationally. 
and, and they've got a handful of, of, of offers out there. Um, one guy that I talked to uh, earlier in the year uh, was Vincent Jackson, who's a, a 6'3", 230-pound linebacker from Tampa, Florida. And, again, you're talking about the Tampa area. That's always intriguing just because of the connections that Lane and Monty Kiffin have to Tampa. He's a guy that wants to come out to USC, wants to look at USC a little more, and I think has some serious interest in USC. So we'll kind of see how that develops. Um, another guy that um, they offered uh, nationally that – going to be kind of an interesting guy to watch and see if, if, if USC can really get seriously involved with him is, is Raquan McMillan. Um, he's a, a 6'3", 235-pound linebacker that favors Ohio State right now. He took uh, that unofficial visit to Ohio State and camped at Ohio State and kind of built up a relationship with that coaching staff. And, again, you know, that's kind of why we say that it's very important for these guys to unofficially visit USC because you want them to be able to kind of get to know the coaching staff and get involved with the coaching staff. And when they don't, it always kind of puts them a little bit as a, at, a, at a disadvantage with other schools. And that's going to kind of be the same thing with Ray Carl McMillan. Although with McMillan, he seems like he really wants to take his time with the process and wants to go through and take his visits and look at schools and mention that he's definitely very interested in USC. So we'll see uh, how that develops. Um, you know, Deshaun Hand is the guy that everybody's talking about early in the 2014 class, 6'4", 245-pound defensive end uh, from Woodbridge, Virginia. Um, he's a guy, again, we saw him at, at the opening. We saw him at the five-star challenge. A, a very good player. I'm not convinced that he's actually the number one guy um, kind of like with Robert uh, I, I early on I thought, okay, that makes sense for him to be the number one guy, but the more I see, the more I start to wonder if he really is the one, number one guy. He's not that Jadavion Clowney type number one guy. And I think with Hand, uh, the same thing kind of – I get the impression like, ah, he's good, but is he really that guy? Um, but USC's involved with them, and they're going to recruit him, and, and they're going. And, and he's interested in USC. He likes USC a lot. He wants to be an engineer um, uh, major. Um, so that's you know kind of a different path for a football player and um, a guy that definitely he, he marches to the beat of his own drum, Deshaun Hand. So you know for him to go away from home or him to to, to look at a USC and actually end up at USC, just kind of talking to him and getting to know the people around him. I, I think that's not out of the question. I, I think there's, there is a possibility um, that USC could get a very, very serious look uh, from Deshaun Hand. Um, so there, there's a handful of guys out there. Uh, you know, Damari Kitt was a receiver, 6'1", 175 pounds from Georgia, who's committed to Georgia for a while. That was, you know, the talk of the world as a receiver. He decommitted from Georgia, said that he has some interest in USC, but from what I've heard, uh, you know, kind of under the radar, I don't think USC is going to recruit him. I think USC is definitely looking more uh, at, at trying to find another big receiver. They kind of tried to look for it in this class, couldn't find it. I don't know that they're going to find it in 2014 either. I mean, the early guys that are coming across the board nationally and locally, there's not a lot of big receivers. There's not a lot of legitimate 6'4 guys uh, that are dominant um, at the high school level right now. And, of course, it's very early, and so we'll kind of see what goes on. But I think with USC, with Lane Kiffin, they, they want they want an either or at receiver. They want a guy who's really fast and and can be you know five eleven and, and five ten and not necessarily really big, or they want a guy that's really big and can just be dominant and can be strong and can be like a big time player for them uh, as a possession receiver. I think what they want to get away from is the in between guys, uh, the possession receivers that don't have a lot of size. Um, and so we'll see how that works out. I mean, I think the speed thing is definitely a big deal. I've said it time and time again. On, on, on the podcast, 
USC with a, a pro-style play-action offense, you got to be able to spread, or excuse me, you got to be able to stretch the field. Not necessarily, it's not about spreading the field like a spread offense and, and having that little dink and dunk offense that you're going to have if you're Texas Tech or what have you. If you want to run the ball and have a power run game, you're going to bring that defense up to the line of scrimmage. You're going to bring those safeties up. You're going to bring those linebackers up. You've got to be able to make them pay over the top. So you've got to have some speed, some guys who can get over the top of those safeties. And so for USC, I think that's the big thing, finding some guys who've got some speed in the 2014 class and continuing on uh, from what they get uh, with, with 2013, which we'll see how that all shakes out. You know, you've got Sebastian LaRue committed. You've got Elders Massington committed. Elders Massington blew his ACL, so he's coming back from surgery now. He's supposed to be an early enrollee. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Stephen Mitchell's had a spectacular year. That's the one guy that I say – that's going to be a guy that contributes for USC in the future, no doubt about it, at receiver. He's going to be a good player for USC in the future, and he's a guy that fits what they need in terms of being able to, to, to stretch the field and be a guy that's, uh, that's more than just a possession receiver. Okay, uh, let's switch gears a little bit, talk about the offensive line. Jim Randolph. Sorry for being so, so long-winded, by the way, but I'm, I've been keeping this in for the last two months. So yeah, I mean, I got to I got to let it go. I got to yeah. let it go. <laughs> okay, so Jim Randolph, Dallas, Texas, had a couple questions Uh he said we saw the, the value of an elite left tackle last year with Matt Khalil, and he really likes uh, Laramie Tunsil. He said, is Tunsil still a critical need uh, to, get our left tack- to get our left tackle of the future? And then he also wants to know, is Simmons, Jordan Simmons at guard or Max Turek, center or guard, better suited for interior positions? What do you think? It's uh, Jim Randolph. Uh, last question first. I, I still lean towards Simmons and Turek being guards. I mean, I kind of think USC's got a roster full of guards. Um, Turret can play the position just because uh, the offensive tackle position, just because uh, athletically he can do it, and because he did it in high school, he played both right tackle and left tackle. Not just, yeah, one game he played left tackle and one game he played right tackle. He played, you know, from play to play. He 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 alternated, uh, which is kind of a you know a rare thing that you, you don't see that very much in high school. We saw it actually from Jordan Poland this uh, this past weekend. So there's another guy that's able to kind of play both positions and that's kind of a big deal but I think you know down the line I feel like I still feel like Max Turk is a better guard than he is a tackle and I think uh, Jordan Simmons is a better guard than a tackle Laramie Tunsil is an offensive tackle he's another guy that wants to officially visit and has talked about officially visiting for a long time but then also talked a lot about Georgia and Alabama and, and, and those schools in the SEC and wanting to play in the SEC so it's a guy that, you know, does USC have a legitimate shot at Laramie Tunsil? Uh, I, I would tend to say not really. Uh, he has to have a spectacular visit, and I, I still just don't know if he's going to be able to go away from home. Um, but I do expect him to officially visit. Not sure if he's going to be a part of the January 18th uh, crowd. Uh, he may come in earlier. We'll, we'll just kind of have to keep tabs on that. But um, but a guy that, that they'll bring in. Now, is he crucial to the 2013 uh, class, I don't think he's crucial. I think Nico Fala is crucial because he's a local recruit. He's good. You know, he's really maybe a little underrated um, and a guy that can legitimately play tackle for USC. Is he the, the Matt Khalil franchise-level guy? I don't know because he's not quite that rangy, not quite that big. Uh, but he is a heck of an athlete. 
and he can run. <laughs> I mean, he can run up and down the field. And so you love his athleticism, and you love what he brings to the table, and you love that he, he is legitimately an offensive tackle, and I think not you know just a, a guard or, or somebody. He could actually probably play center, too, just because of his athleticism, and he's got some long arms, and I think he could get off the ball. Uh, but I think with USC's roster and their depth chart, they're going to need him an offensive tackle. They've got Cool Rogers committed, too. We'll see what happens with Khalil. I know I say that with a lot of these guys that are out of state that are committed just because you don't know what's going to happen if he takes an official visit and all of a sudden starts to second guess. The big thing about Khalil now, though, is that Auburn was a school that was really involved with him. And I kind of said at the time, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, I don't know about Auburn. He's going to decommit and go to Auburn, go to Auburn. I just didn't feel like Auburn was going to be that school that had the prowess to be able to do that, to be able to get Khalil and his teammate Kenny Bigelow and flip them from USC. They're just they're just not playing well enough. The, the coaching staff is a little bit in turmoil. There's just a lot of stuff going on at Auburn. They're not the A team. Ohio State was the team that I felt was a you know like kind of you never know with Urban Meyer. He's a guy that can seem to turn kids and and they're playing well and they've they've you know obviously they've got the sanctions that they're dealing with. Um, but that's a school that I still kind of wonder with uh, Kula Rogers if. You know, he doesn't start to, you know, maybe want to take an official visit there. Um, the big caveat is going to be that Kenny Bigelow is an early enrollee for USC. And so that's kind of, kind of, put, I mean, if, if Kenny Bigelow is committing and it stays committed and then signs in, in December, I don't know if I see Khalil Rogers going after that point and deciding to go away from USC. And so that's, that's kind of going to be the interesting nuance there. But so you've got a guy that's totally interior guy. I mean, Khalil Rogers is not going to play tackle. He's going to play center or he's going to play guard. And then you've got Nico Fowl. And you don't have a lot of room for another guy. Uh, and, and, and while I think they would take Laramie Tunsil and they try to find room for him, I don't know if it's crucial. Because you do have the 2014 class, and that is definitely looking like a much better class talent-wise. Um, for, for offensive linemen than, it, than the 2013 class. So if you're going for quality over quantity, and obviously you have to when you're, when you're down scholarships and you have, to, you have to strike gold on every one of these guys, you can't have a bunch of misses, I, I think USC would be better off trying to maybe take four uh, in 2014, which I haven't heard. <laughs> I mean, when they got three, I'm hearing that's kind of sounds like it's going to be it. But if they were to kind of try to make some some moves, I, I think getting four in the 2014 class, you're going to get four better linemen than you're going to get three uh, in the 2013 class. So to answer the question in short, I don't think Larry, Larry Mutunsel is crucial. I think it's a possibility, but I don't think it's crucial that they find him or they get him committed. Okay, let's go. We got a few more left. We'll finish up. Tim and Los Alamitos. Just wondering if there are any kids that were not on the radar but have blossomed since their junior season, and the SC coaches are now starting to recruit. So I assume he's talking about two the two thousand thirteen guys that maybe they've showed well on their senior year. Yeah, you know, nobody really. I think that they've definitely, you know, going to keep their ears out and and you kind of watch. I think, especially with the receiver position, that's what we've been kind of listening for and and trying to, you know, we go out to the games and and watch kids and see, oh, you know, is there anybody that's really kind of jumped out that's that's been a guy that's had that really dominant year? Um, haven't seen them yet. Uh, I think you know the the safety position is one of those positions that it could happen. Um, that's a position where you get some late bloomers. Receiver and safety are, are the two positions that guys can kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but, you know, I think USC is really comfortable where they're at with their safety recruiting. They know 
who they want. I mean, I know that they, they'd love to just get Redfield, get Sue Cravens, and lock in on McQuay, and that would be the one, two, three that they, they, that they want first and foremost. Um, you know, there's two guys in that conversation that are definitely kind of out there and not for sure uh, at this moment. Um, so that definitely opens up, you know, continuing recruiting. And we talked about a guy like Tyler Foreman. Um, there's going to be some more players. There's, nobody has really jumped out like, wow, this guy is, you know, spectacular and, and USC should definitely, you know, turn the corner on him uh, that we've heard. And, and nobody really in general, the receiver position is another position that we're kind of waiting to see, you know, is there somebody that's really going to step up and, and be a guy in this 2013 class uh, that, that, that we didn't hear about that, you know, would, would be a big time player. I haven't really heard it. And so, you know, we're waiting with, you know, sometimes it's one of these things where you get closer to the playoffs, you go, okay, this guy's, you know, put together a great year and he has a great run towards the end of the playoffs. And then you start to, you know, hear more about him. But um, at this point, no, I, I don't, I don't see anybody that's all of a sudden, you know, turned the corner and, and as a guy that nobody really talked about or, or really knew about for USC and has become a great player. There are those guys like Sean Harlow, the, the you know, 6'5", 280-pound offensive tackle from uh, San Clemente, who's still a guy that – you talk about Larry Tunsil, you know, Sean Harlow's still a guy that's there, a guy that could, you know, maybe play some offensive tackle, could also be a center for USC. Um, there's, a, there's a few of those guys, but those guys are guys that USC has been recruiting. You know, they've been involved with him. Um, are they going to play well enough all of a sudden where they could take a scholarship from a guy that's committed? You know, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think USC PR-wise wants to get into that. But there's some guys that could be wavering in January. And, you know, like with Max Redfield, this Max Redfield's recruitment cannot play out till January. Lane Kiffin cannot allow Max Redfield to ho-hum, I'm not sure what I want to do, I think I like Notre Dame, all the way till January. He, he, it's going to have to be a decision made pretty soon. Listen, you either decommit or you're committed you know, we, we need to be able to move on with a guy and know what our numbers are going to be and, and go after and be more decisive. Um, and, and so that's going to be one of those things that I think with some of these guys that are, you know, lower on the radar, Tyler Foreman, Sean uh, Harlow, those type of guys, they're going to start to have to recruit them harder earlier than in January. So, you know, they're, they're guys that they like that are probably on the cusp um, that would not necessarily take scholarships from guys that are committed, but would be able to, uh, kind of fill in those places that guys start to waver and, and all of a sudden USC has to say, listen, you're in or you're out. Okay, let's see. Let's go to, uh, this is Jeff again. Um, he said, he, of the visitors that are coming on January 18th, it's a big weekend for non-USC commits. Do, do you, GM, have any good feelings or do you think these are all just free trips? He mentions Adam, uh, Johnson, Lawson, etc. Um, no, I, I think with Adams, there's legitimate interest. Does USC have a good shot at him? No. Do they have a great shot? No. They have a shot. And it's just one of those things you're trying to get a SEC defensive tackle out of the South. And that's just always hard. Um, and he's from Georgia. And it seems like the Georgia kids, you know, with the Atlanta area, they're a little more open-minded and they're a little more willing to travel. But still, the, the, the ratio success rate of getting alignment, period, out of the South is not very good for USC. So you can't start to say, oh, yeah, they have a good shot at, uh, at, at Montrevious Adams. They have a shot um, with, you know, Mackenzie Alexander and Sean Robinson, these other guys that we've talked about. Yeah, it's a little more like, eh, we'll see. 
you know, I, 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 it could be free trips. You know, the, the, we have to see if these kids come in January and what their attitude is like, um, you know, when we get down to San Antonio for the Army All-American game. That's when you kind of start to read and kind of get a feel, you know, okay, you really haven't talked about USC and all of a sudden now you want to take an official visit. You know, how much contact have you had with USC throughout the year? You know, what, what, why do you want to look at USC? You start to talk to these kids and get a better feel for their intentions. Um, but with those other guys, yeah, it's a little questionable. Trey Johnson, I will say, is an interesting prospect for USC because he has been involved with USC for a long time. And speaking to his coach, uh, he's wanted to visit USC and wanted to kind of, I think, be recruited harder by USC. The interesting thing there is, A, it's Auburn. Auburn's not having a good year. There's a lot of talk that maybe Auburn's going to lose their coaching staff. I don't think that's going to happen, but there's a possibility of it happening. The bigger deal is there's a lot of talk that, He's not the biggest fan of Reuben Foster, and Reuben Foster, when he was committed to Alabama, decommitted, ended up at Auburn, everybody became, oh, it's all about Reuben Foster, it's all about Reuben Foster, and, and Trey Johnson, who had been a long-time commit, kind of got overlooked. And so he's been looking around for a while. This is not something that's just new. It's not, oh, Auburn's lost a couple games, now I want to look at some schools. He's been looking at schools for a while. So, you know, there's a guy that's a 6'1", you know, 230-pound Mike linebacker, a guy that's a middle linebacker, which USC's really had a hard time finding those guys uh, specifically, um, that, you know, he could be a possible guy that might give USC, you know, a, a, a legitimate look. I don't want, Again, I don't want to say a good shot, but a legitimate shot. Question is, would USC have room for a Mike linebacker in this class? That's, that's another question that I don't know if I can answer at this point because – you know, there's some guys that are on the radar. I mean, we talked about the, um, you know, the Robinson twins, uh, Tyrell and Tyree Robinson, the 6'4", 190-pound uh, uh, athletes from Lincoln uh, High School down in San Diego who are now committed to Oregon but are guys that are, you know, definitely kind of on the radar, Tyrell Robinson being an outside linebacker. And you always thought, you know, it sounds like they're really good players, but does USC have the ability, do they have the numbers to be able to go after guys like that? These are guys that if they had 25 for sure, but they don't. So that's, you know, with Trey Johnson, that's another question. You know, if, even if he really likes USC, he goes to USC and has that official visit, would they have room to be able to sneak him in? I would say for sure with Adams. I think Montrevious Adams, you've got to find room for that guy, even with the spectacular defensive line class that they have. Granted, if I'm the recruiting coordinator, I'm making sure I'm concentrating on keeping my guys that are committed, my five guys I want to keep those guys more than I want to get Montrevious Adams at this point because I think Vanderdose has had a spectacular year this year. I've heard nothing but great things about him, and Kenny Bigelow is going to be a stud. And that's where you start with this defensive line. Then you bring in Kylie Fitz, who could play in the middle. You've got uh, Tarani Prevo, and you've got Jason Hatcher. I mean, that, that's, that's an elite defensive line, and when you combine it with the guys that they have on the roster right now, you're talking about an eight-man deep line at least. And that's, I mean, the SEC is going to be talking about, man, I wish we had a USC defensive line. So that, that you want to keep intact as much as possible. But obviously, Montrevious Adams is going to be like, ooh, that's, that's you know, that's, that's a five-star defensive tackle. It's hard to pass that up. And we talked about McQuay. I, I think USC's already trying to, they're already trying to find a spot for him. I think that if they, if they could get him, they, they're going to take him. Um, but there's, there's only so many of those guys that, that exist out there. There's only probably three or four guys that I think they could bring in in a January visit uncommitted and they try to find room for him somewhere in that, uh, that, that 2013 class. Okay. We'll go one last one with Martin. He says in USC's last year of recruiting sanctions, is it possible that Lane could promise 10 recruits a full scholarship after one year 
of being a preferred walk-on on the following year when scholarships increase 10 more. I would think that it's, if that's part of Maine, uh, Lane Kiffin's master plan and the sanctions would only have a two-year effect on player numbers instead of three years. And I'm sure if Lane's able to pull this off, being a gray area, the NCAA would more than likely step in and change the rules of scholarship sanctions and dub it the, the Lane rule. That's so laughable if it happens. Again, that's from Martin. Yeah, I, it's tough because the tuition at USC is so much that I just don't think you're going to get high-quality recruits and have them pay for a tuition for a year <laughs> and then have them come in and say, okay, but you know, after that we'll go ahead and uh, you, can, uh, you, you can get your scholarship paid for. Um, it's, you're going to definitely be limiting uh, the, the talent pool there and the guys. I mean, you know, you're talking about 2014 uh, recruits, and uh, you're talking about some of the top guys. I don't think you're going to go to Casey Tucker and say, well, you know, Casey, um, we really don't have the numbers, and we want to take a fourth offensive lineman, and we got three guys already, and then, you know, we'd like to maybe have you just come in for the first year and, you know, pay your uh, 30-whatever, $40,000 <laughs> in tuition for that first year, and then we'll go ahead and uh, follow you up with a scholarship. It's just not going to happen. There are some guys there that you could think maybe from a walk-on standpoint that are – you know, I mean, you know, Elijah Steen is, is an example of a guy. You know, that's that's a guy that had some looks from some schools, um, could have played Division One football on a scholarship somewhere else. Uh, it's debated, you know, where that would have been. You know, did he really have an offer from UCLA? Did he really have an offer from Cal? But he's a guy that you look physically and you go, he's not your typical walk-on. That's a guy that maybe you can't. Maybe you can talk to maybe, a, you know, a couple real, real solid uh, Southern Orange County guys. But the thing is, now you're putting those guys on your roster for your 85, and you're not able to come in and give those scholarships to guys that would be your first choice guys, a four-star, five-star guys out of high school that next year. So I, I don't think so. I, I think everybody's trying to look for that loophole to try to get back to a full 85 as soon as possible, and I just don't think, think it really exists. And um, yeah, I, I I don't think so. I, what's your opinion on that? Because you're the scholarship guy. You you know you're doing the scholarship breakdown all the time with numbers. Do you, do you? I mean, have you figured out any kind of loopholes that you could see USC doing where they would would benefit from that? No, there's no loopholes. Um, I mean, what what you're talking about doing, you might see come into play, not necessarily for next year's class, but maybe for guys that have come in, you know, in 2012. Uh, or maybe you know in the in the February time frame 2013 you don't you can't go from a walk on to a scholarship player if you just came into the program and not count as an initial counter we've gone over stuff like this before your overall counter and an initial counter uh USC can bring in only 15 instead of 25 initials um so if you're saying for someone for the class of 2014 they bring them in as a preferred walk on and they give them a scholarship the next year. Well, yeah, they, they have 85, so they would have 10 more to play with. But that kid who just came in in 2014 would now have to count as an initial scholarship counter as well. So either for the class of 2014, which you wouldn't have any left over because that's a you know a limited 15 class, or they're going to count towards your 25 for 2015. Not necessarily sure you want to do something like that. Now, for someone that's been in the program for a couple of years, you can give them a scholarship and they can go on without being an initial counter. They'll just count towards the 85. So you're talking about like a Ryan Dillard who has been, you know, working with the second team already as a true freshman. And, you know, maybe by next year, 
who knows if he's up there, maybe, you know, maybe he's starting, maybe he's solidly on the two deep. It's hard to say, but if he's contributing, then, you know, his second year, his, I mean, his junior year, he could be given a scholarship. So you're kind of feeding those back in. I wouldn't look at it as a, we're going to be able to reduce a year off of the the sanctions by bringing in 25, but 10 of them are preferred walk-ons. I don't think that's realistic, but I do think you can help get your program back up to 85 with guys that are currently on the team. And anyone that's been on the team for two years can get that scholarship spot at, you know, from a walk-on position, they can be, you know, get a scholarship and not count as an initial counter. So it won't hurt Lane Kiffin as he tries to bring in more bodies to fill in some of those spots. You can kind of get that scholarship number back up to about 85 or so. And it's a, it's a nice gesture to these kids, especially a guy like Ryan Dillard, who really did have offers and, and, you know, it looked like he was going to go to other, you know, division one schools and ended up walking on at USC. And you could say maybe Lane Kiffin has kind of done a little bit of that because the one thing that we noticed this off season uh, more than any other is that the walk-on talent was definitely a notch above, even from what we saw in the Pete Carroll years. Uh, there's, you know, a handful of guys that you look at and you go, these guys look like division one guys. You know, they don't, you can't pick them up from a crowd and go, well, that's a walk-on. And you mentioned Ryan Dillard, Elijah Steen. There's, there's probably, you know, six or seven guys that they brought in uh, this past year that really look like legitimate Division One athletes. And so you talk about, you know, that two years down the line, you know, USC's kind of done that. Now, has that actual conversation happened where Lane Kiffin's talked about, hey, you know, we're going to promise you scholarships? We can't say that. I, I don't know that that's true. Uh, but that's something that, like you said, the transition – from the 75 to 85 would be much easier because you don't have the issues of the initial counters and something that you mentioned, which, you know, I didn't really think about, and we don't really know for sure either way, but I mean, bringing guys in and then giving them a scholarship the next year, if it's that 2014 class and those guys count as initial counters to the 2014 class, that's technically a sanction year. So I don't know that the NCAA would even allow that. I mean, they may say, would well, you can't, you, you still have to count as initial counter and those, that number for 2014 was 15, and you've gone over, so that you can't do that. So that's a whole other can of worms that you start to open up. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that you certainly limit the talent that you're going to be able to bring in or the guys who could be able to afford a scholarship um, for just at least one year or even a semester. And, B, you're talking about the issues with initial counters and overall counters and stuff that may not even be legal. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a realistic possibility. Um, I think that uh, it's just going to be one of those things where USC has to work themselves back up to that 85 and, and, and do it uh, you know, organically. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. We almost went an hour, so not bad. Just uh, going off on recruiting for a little while. It's fun to talk about recruiting again, and it's going to heat up. Uh, I know it will, and uh, you know it will, so we'll be checking out. Uh, everyone check out uscfootball.com. We'll try to do more of these recruiting blasts as well, as long as Gerard's cool with that. I'm cool with that if you're cool with that. I'm cool with that. We'll do. We, JD we, from D.C. is cool with that. He is. He likes. So, yeah, so feel free to send in your questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, or if you want to go to peristylepodcast.com and leave us a voicemail there, you can do all of that. Check it out. Gerard, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, and uh, like you said, we'll be talking more here in the near future. Yes, for sure. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast Recruiting Blast edition. We'll see you on Monday for the regular Peristyle Podcast. Stay tuned for that. You 
been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.